Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome back to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is fellow Looney, Looney Tunes aficionado and friend of the show, Jaquise Neal. Welcome back. What's up, man? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, quarantine episode. <laughs> quarantine ended up. And getting our Looney Tunes on with new content. We have our first ever release to the public short in the Looney Tunes cartoons form, which is an all new team of people that are creating these shorts. It started two years ago when it was announced and we're finally seeing the fruits of that labor. We also have a new quick 45 second trailer uh, showcasing even more footage from those shorts. Then we have Space Jam 2 news in the form mm. of a logo and a new title, which is very exciting. All the news. They, you know, look, they picked a really good time to start releasing stuff because everybody is at the cribs. Everybody is content starved, uh, just looking for something to be excited about. So I appreciate it. I appreciate what y'all doing, Warner Brothers. Oh, 100%. I appreciate it too. And we're also going to do a rundown of everything we know so far about Space Jam 2 before we jump into our episode spotlight, which is of Rice and Hin, the 1953 short directed by Robert McKimson, starring Foghorn Leghorn, and of course the star, uh, Miss Prissy. So yesterday was the 4th, May, May the 4th, and uh, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, I wanted to shout out some art that I found online, which is a Looney Tunes Star Wars mashup done by Andrew Kaiko. Uh, it's Andrew Kaiko on Twitter and Andrew K. Full on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel. And he did these wonderful pieces of A New Hope, uh, The Force Awakens, and The Last Jedi, where he mixed Tiny Tunes and the mm-hmm. classic Looney Tunes designs, which is just phenomenal work. And I hope he does more. Yeah, these are these are pretty dope. Um, you know, the uh, Star Wars has been, especially nowadays, it seems like every poster is relatively the same. Like Star Wars and Avengers both have the same billboard or movie poster makeup. Recognized aesthetic, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's really cool to see characters... Uh, that you know and love in different ways beyond like Star Wars or the Avengers or anything like this. Like I'm loving this Tiny Toons, Last Jedi one, uh, uh, and The Force Awakens one. That's pretty dope too. I would see that movie. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, uh, they stood out to me because they were the only crossover content that I found with Star Wars and Bugs in the Gang. And I was very interested as to you know, what caused that or like, why isn't that more popular? Because I feel like a crossover of that, you know, extent would be more prominent, but we don't have Mm. a lot of Looney Tunes crossover with sci-fi. So it made me think, I really hope we get some sci-fi related shorts. Obviously, Duck Dodgers is sci-fi, 
but that's all we got. Yeah. So I yeah. guess anytime Marvin's in there, I guess that's sort of sci-fi. Would you count that as sci-fi? No, not as, <laughs> not really. Um, because it's sci-fi. It's the it generally is all it was the future as told from the perspective of nineteen you know fifty two. Right. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, so I'm sure it was sci-fi then, but for my money now, I don't necessarily count it as science fiction. I count it as uh, complete fiction. So, um, yeah, so, it needs a bit more science in there, for sure. Just, just a little bit more. But, but you know, like Star Wars is also complete fiction as well. So, in my opinion, but so I think like if you're gonna do something like that, then let, go ahead and, and build a world with it. So. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you do. Hopefully we do see a little bit of a deep. I like Duck Dodgers. I loved Marvin the Martian. Was I've never I've never been a huge fan of Marvin. Uh, the actual shorts, like sure. I like him, but yeah. the actual shorts were always lacking. Uh, for me, uh, you know, it was always his whoever he was playing foil against. Uh, Duck Dodgers was I loved Duck Dodgers a lot more because that was actually something meaty to to hook into. Yeah, and it launched its own series. And that yeah. series is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Andrew K., for allowing us to show your art. And that will be on, on the uh, That Means Podcast blog, as well as you can follow Andrew Kako on on social media, wherever you, uh, wherever you look at social media at. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe he also has a Patreon for some new art that he's working on in a comic book. So check that out. Democratic Republic of Congo. Maybe I should have turned left at Luxembourg. So we got a new cartoon. There are new Looney Tunes happening right now on our computer screens and soon on HBO Max. That comes out on May 27th. And right now they're doing a really cool limited uh, pre-purchase plan where if you buy a year, you only have to pay eleven ninety nine per month, but you have to buy the full year instead of mm-hmm. spending. I believe it's the fourteen ninety nine a month, so you get to save some money if you do it that way. But okay. uh, yeah, it comes out May twenty seventh, and it will feature a lot of the new Looney Tunes cartoons, and we are getting our first look at Pest Coaster. It's so hard to say that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pest Coaster. It does not roll Pest off Coaster. the tongue very well. Does not. It does not. It's interesting too because I don't. Uh, you know, I, I don't. There are very few shorts where I know the names of them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I would very, very agree few. with that. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I want you know, as these first few come out, I'm sure we'll keep up with that. But if they come out with the frequency or the quantity uh that they have eventually i do hope that they hold the same joy not this what what am i trying to say i do hope that they have the same you don't need to know the name but you will remember the actual short yes uh where as soon as you see it you'll be like oh this one (laughs) um and and i think that'll be cool but that also is going to take some uh some some replay value uh, to think, the episodes. I think the pairings are going to be interesting. You're obviously getting 
a classic pairing with Bugs and Yosemite in this, but the classic pairings are going to be ones that spark the the joy of watching an old classic cartoon of uh-huh. this elk. But also, I'm hoping we get new pairings that we haven't maybe ever seen before. Mm. I know that we're going to get a few of the Daffy and Porky uh, episodes, which are going to be delightful. Um, yeah. I've already heard from whenever they played at the film festivals. And if you haven't already listened to my review of Curse of the Monkey Bird, that is an Indiana Jones parody of um, a 1940s adventure. And it stars Daffy and Porky on a quest to find like this Holy Grail. And it's really fun. Um, so we're going to get a bunch of those, but I really hope that they take these characters that we know and love and put them in new situations so we can see how they would react if, you know, something new happened. And yeah, so yeah, with Pest Coaster, we get bugs traveling again and getting lost and winding up at an amusement park, which is <laughs> rare for him, I'm assuming, even though he is at Six Flags every day when it's That's operational. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if they uh, they alluded to that. That would have been very funny. You know, remember in the 90s, the, the bald guy that danced really silly yeah. and everything, and he drove a bus, I think? Yeah. I was really waiting for him to make a cameo in the background somewhere. <laughs> they probably didn't have the rights. They probably didn't have the rights. <laughs> yeah, he will release his likeness, but uh, if he's still alive, even... <laughs> But I think, uh, that was, I think that was like a 20 year old. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, that's it was a 20 year old in a, in a face mask. Oh, well, that may, yeah, because I guess he was moving kind of kind of spryly. <laughs> <For> <laughs> that makes that makes sense. Yes. And yeah. so with this short, we have the introduction of an all new team behind these shorts, including Eric Bowser as Bugs Bunny, Fred Tataskior as Yosemite Sam and Carrie Walgreen as the baby doll lady. We also have Ryan Kramer directing this one, and it was written by Kramer and Pete Browngard, as well as Johnny Ryan. Pete Browngard is the executive producer of all of these shorts, as well as Sam Register. Sam Register. Yes. Uh, Executive producing with Pete Browngard is Sam Register. And the, the one highlight, I think, is that these shorts are taking it back to the classic orchestral score. And Carl Johnson is scoring a number of these. And what's fun about that is he got his start on the Animaniacs. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of coming full circle for him, which is really fun. And a lot of these people have done work within the realm of Looney Tunes or tangentially doing Looney Tunes. But a lot of them come from... Pete Browngard's own uncle grandpa and they're mm-hmm. injecting a lot of Ren and Stimpy into the comedy stylings. And so like it's coming from all of these melded together styles and we're getting a brand new thing out of it with a retro layer of familiarized characters. So mm-hmm. what did you think watching Pest Coaster? It was uh, I, I I did like it. It it was being the first one. It was interesting to get into because uh, and this is an unfair assessment, but you know because I wanted so bad to have the feel of the classic shorts. 
it took my brain a, a, a couple minutes to catch up to the new animation and especially the new voices. Sure. Um, I'm glad that they released this one first because it's a bit, uh, a bit of like dipping the toe in the water, if you will. Yeah. There are better examples of penciled animations in between the stocky animated version, uh, stocky animated sections where everything is a bit more stiff. And those sections play out better than when it's done through the Tomb Boom animation program. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of this was the program. And so whenever we get the more fluid animation, it's going to set off those emotions you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, because it was, it was something about this episode that just felt new, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, for sure. Which it's, obviously it is new. So. It is new. Yeah. But there's something about it that didn't feel classic. And, and I'm not saying that from a negative point of view um, at all, because I did uh, I did enjoy the short. Um, I, I don't know if I love the fact that they aren't necessarily trying to go for a little bit more of a voice-matched, uh, you know, vocal quality to some of these characters, because, like, Yosemite Sam sounds different. Yes. <laughs> um, and... You know, he's in the ballpark, but, you know, he sounds different. Even Bugs sounds different. I mean, think about Space Jam, the original Mm -hmm. Space Jam. Bugs Bunny in that movie sounds pretty close to Bugs Bunny that we know and love. Like, there are some differences, but they tried to match that vocal quality to Mel Blanc. Uh, Is it Blanc or Blank? I always forget. Blank. Blank. To Mel Blank. Uh, Mel Blanc. Uh, to Mel <laughs> Blank a- as close as possible. And I do think that is some value in saying, hey, we're not trying to be the Mel Blank Bugs Bunny. We're just trying to get you to the ballpark, but this it does stand on its own two feet. So, you know, I don't hold it against it. Like I said, it just took my brain a couple seconds, uh, a couple minutes to catch up to that. Once I did, though, there were some really funny moments in it. Um, you know, some funny, some funny gags. I was starting to see a little bit of that Bugs Bunny, you know, assholishness. That's not a word, <laughs> but uh, that stinker, we all know and st- love. Ain't I a stinker aspect? Yeah, of, the, of the ain't I a stinker? For sure. Which we to, all to know speak and love. On- to speak on the voice cast real quick, I, I do want to highlight Eric Bowser doing Bugs. This is the first time, this is the first short that he actually did Bugs. And mm-hmm. he... Oh, I this was the first one? This is the first one, yeah. Okay. So with time and with nurturing those, ref, those inflections, I feel like he will, he'll, will, he will grasp it a bit closer to what you're wanting. And I I think he has in him and in this short, you can already hear there are ways that he says certain words that are very close to how Mel Blanc would have said them. This place isn't kidding around. I am amused. And those are the moments that stand out for me as, oh, I see the potential here. I see Mm -hmm. that if they keep doing these, which they obviously did, um, we're going to, get really close to mm-hmm. what it sounded like and what, you know, sends off those n- neurons in our brain that go, oh, this reminds me of those times whenever I was a kid watching these characters. And I feel like this is the closest that we're going to get to 
having new Looney Tunes in the way that they were back in the day. And Mm -hmm. that's exciting to me because taking them and putting them into these sitcom-y roles never meshed with me. And I really like this aspect of it. I feel like this might be too short. I feel like this is uh, five minutes and 30 seconds. And even the Foghorn Leghorn episode we watched was six something. I feel Mm -hmm. like they needed a bit more time to fully get a, a, a better story and a more comprehensive story going and getting our investment. Cause like the baby gag comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, the, the deception though, the, the, the voice that Eric does whenever he's dressed as bugs is dressed as a woman Wait, room for one more rider. is almost spot on uh, Mel Blanc. Mm-hmm. And, but it's done in his own way. Like I, I really enjoyed uh, that reveal and the character design as well. And like the hair and the flowy the animation of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, obviously there were certain aspects to this. And also I think they had a interesting uh, design choice with the backgrounds and how vacant they are. Like I, yeah. I felt like there should have been more people moving around um, mm. to make it, you know, feel more like an amuse- amusement park that's operational um, mm-hmm. instead of these quarantine times amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Bugs is yeah. wearing gloves. He's being safe. I do, I do, I do kind of see why they did that though, because a lot of the old shorts were barren of people. Uh, you know, you didn't get many, you didn't get many, you know, whenever they were in populated places, you didn't get too many just. Uh, non-essential characters walking around to fill out the worlds uh, for a lot of the old cartoons. So I guess I kind of get that, but in the same on the same token, you didn't get any shorts that were shot at amusement parks right, or set in amusement parks. <laughs> yeah. Like we never even when they were doing like city things, you had even though you didn't you probably had some moving cars here and there, but you had a lot of the city uh sound effects in the background. Right. Those and drills I, always going yeah, in the background. Yeah. And, and you didn't get that as everything. much with this. Honking. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, here's here is here is a critique that I have. I know this is the first one they dropped and it was meant to be as a teaser. Just to say, hey, because sure. that yeah, you know, just to say, hey, this is coming and here's what it, here's what you can expect a little bit. I think Dynamite uh, Dance actually provided a better teaser for these shorts than this did. Yeah, yeah, I do. I agree with that. And one of the big reasons why is I felt it was a bold choice to have this one be the first one and have especially Yosemite Sam be out of character. Mm. Um, now, Yosemite Sam did eventually play many archetypes of his character um in the original shorts but that's because you knew the archetype you know you knew where the original yosemite sam was coming from uh and to not have to for this to be like a a tease to the old classic we're going back to the classics uh or we're going back to the classic feel and to have him so far away from the yosemite sam that we all know uh, was a very interesting choice, and I think the reason that original teaser worked so well is because it put Bugs Bunny and, if I'm not mistaken, it was Elmer Fudd mm-hmm. 
in the setting that we like we could we know that with our eyes closed we know that we know that parent we know that setting we know that feeling and i'm not saying that they shouldn't have had it i i think you need these i'm just saying it was an interesting choice to have that be the first one uh i agree i think i think had they released the full and i i don't know if dynamite dance is at its fullest in the one minute or 30 seconds that we got. I don't know if it, that's the full thing, but mm-hmm. that was such a small snippet and there was no dialogue in that. It was just a chase sequence with a bunch of dynamite and explosions, but that sells the classic nostalgic face paint of the new, um, the new look over the retro style with the more fluid animation. And again, mm-hmm. I, I go back to that full fluid animation because I've seen uh, Curse of the Monkey Bird and that has the fluid animation in it that you're expecting, that I'm expecting. And so whenever we got this and it was a bit more heavy lines and not a lot of movement, it was a little jarring mm-hmm. to say the least. It was a little too fast, too. I mean, one of the things that I love about the old shorts is, yeah, you get the the slapstick, uh, fast, you know, breakneck paced episodes. But when they're out of that setting, like, for instance, some of the Yosemite Sam commercials uh, where he is trying to marry, you know, Granny and Bugs is foiling that plan and stuff like that. uh, A lot of those episodes take their time. Sure. Um, in a, you know, in a way, a seven minute ep- a seven minute short can, but they take their time to tell the full story where it doesn't need to go breakneck. And I think this one didn't need to be such a fast paced episode because it was in such a slow paced setting. Uh, and I know a roller coaster is not a slow paced thing, but the story they were trying to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, which is Yosemite Sam doesn't like animals and doesn't want them on his roller coaster. But he loves babies. But he loves babies. He'll go out of his way to show you that. Yeah. (laughs) I I just felt like that's a story that... That was a very funny bit. I really, really like that bit. I like the dynamite bit, too. Like like I said, I liked the short. I I did like the short. I just thought it was a very interesting one uh, to go first. And I hope, I hope... You know, I'm thinking of like Bugs Bunny with the two gangsters. I can't think of their name. Where it's like, yeah, get in the oven and get, like you know those yeah. those cartoons take their they let them breathe a little bit. And I do hope that if we have some of those shorts that follow those type of stories, that they allow them to breathe without feeling like they need it to like go at a breakneck pace that the Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny uh, catch him, shoot him up uh, shorts went at. I don't think every of, you know, what's Opera Doc is so beautiful because it takes its time. Like, because it's not trying to be the Bugs Bunny and Daffy, and uh, it's not trying to go at the same pace at the Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny that we know. It's like, no, we're telling this story. Um, and I, I, I have no doubt that they will. I have no doubt that they will. I just hope they do. <laughs> Same. <laughs> they and, do. and every, every, uh, like every other short is going to have a different team attached to it. And yeah. that is exciting. Cause that's, that's the good. way that the old ones worked is that you never had 
um, a familiarity that you could be comfortable with. I mean, yes, Chuck Jones did all of the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote shorts for a long time, and you got familiar with the formula, but it was always funny because of the timing. Like, he mm-hmm. had pacing down to, a, like, a science. So we have issues with the pacing so far, and this one had weird composition that was a little jarring. The biggest thing was there wasn't enough plot. Um, there are a lot of old shorts and old cartoons that are very gag heavy. Um, sure. But there are also, you know, even I'm thinking of like, not to talk about a different cartoon, but Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry is very gag heavy. Oh, yeah. But there's also a lot of those episodes that have uh, a three act story. Exactly. There, there's a lot <laughs> of structure one. within those gags. Yeah. And this felt like it yeah. was missing structure, if you will. Yeah. But let's push into the, the positives. Uh, there's one joke in here that I really love. And it's during that scene where Yosemite is going down what Bugs calls is the needlessly and discriminatory rules. <laughs> it's in the blink of an eye. Uh, you could see um, no Heglians. Uh, which is a, <laughs> a study of a philosopher um, by the name of George Wilhelm Frederick Hegel. And his ideology was that he put value in thoughts and ideas over things, over possessions. And I felt like that is such a funny thing to put at an amusement park where everybody goes and buys stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. That, that little nugget really, like, it made it worth it. Um, yeah. So what what did you find funny uh, about this and what worked for you? Um, I also wanted to quickly point out the um, the backgrounds. Like I really enjoyed the backgrounds mm-hmm. and the, the green sky and everything. Yeah, I thought the I thought the I thought the animation was very pretty. Um, I thought it was very well drawn. You know, even though I said at the beginning of this that it took my brain a couple minutes to catch up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think it was funny. I thought it was. Um, I thought it, the colors were very good, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, the gags, I, I like. I said this earlier, but the dynamite gag was was very funny. Um, <laughs> him putting it out, and then it just the old classic. Like, nah, we gonna light ourselves. We gonna light ourselves again. Is is very classic <laughs> animation. Uh, it was super funny. Um, it, you know, it coming back kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, with the baby oh, that yes, kind of came yeah. out of nowhere, but I love, that, I love that the dynamite is still in the toilet bowl. <laughs> yeah, the, the toilet yeah. bowl in the in the carriage was great. yeah. That that was very funny. So I did love that gag. So that was a positive for me. Uh, and you know, once once the episode got in, you know, about three minutes in, when they were like actually on the roller coaster and going down and things like that, and it had a little bit of that. Uh, it, you know, it got to the part of the episode where the breakneck pace of it was warranted. Sure. Um, I did think that was uh, fun to watch. And that's when the episode started to pick up for me. It just kind of evened out and didn't really hit another peak. Um, I, I would agree But I that. did like that, though. I did like I did like the part. I did like the section where it did start to ramp up on that roller coaster. I really like seeing Yosemite Sam without his skin on. But his skin is holding yeah. on to a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. That was pretty great. All right, cool. Um, so anything that you want to note that we haven't talked about already uh, about what we can expect or what you want to see out of these shorts going forward? Because there's going to be a lot of them. 
And mm. are there any pairings that we haven't seen in a while or ever that you would want to see? Um, I would be interested to see Bugs and Sylvester. I don't think I that's a pairing. That. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a pairing that I've ever seen um, before. Uh, Bugs and Foghorn. I don't think it's a pair I've ever seen before. Uh, mostly, mostly because you know those two characters kind of have the same uh you know archetype to him as far as you know the 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 wise cracking protagonist but um but they could do the same bugs i mean daffy duck used to be that too and when they put him and bugs together they flipped it and it it worked so well so So you never know what you can see uh by just putting two characters together well speaking of bugs and daffy i really hope we get one of those I'm sure we will. So. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I mean, speaking to that, I do hope we get. I I do hope we get like a classic, uh, Bugs, Daffy and Elmer episode. You know, oh, season, rabbit season. I hope we get a. It's just I, I would like. You know, I want to see it again. I, I. That's one thing that I do hope. If like ten to fifteen of them were just very true to form. Uh, episodes that we've already seen before, uh, and not like you know, still for still, shot not, for yeah, shot. Not recycling it. Yeah. Yeah, but and just you. like the classic, the classic things that we loved about. I wouldn't mind if we saw a couple of those. You don't have to reinvent the w- the wheel so much. Um, exactly. It worked for a reason, you know. So I do hope we see that. Um, but yeah, man, I just hope that, like, it, the biggest thing I really hope for is that it has replay value. Same. Um, Having replay like, value is so important for not only this medium of short-form yeah. st- storytelling, but also for generating the, uh, the amount of buzz that you yeah. want to create. And I feel like while uh, Pest Coaster had some good moments, it doesn't have that re- replay value that we're looking for. But I know for a fact that uh, Curse of the Monkey Bird does. Right. And I can't wait to see it again. That's all I'm hoping for, man. Because I can sit down and watch so many uh, shorts. Yeah, me too. And that I've seen hundreds of times and still be entertained and still enjoy it um and and still want to watch it. So and and I think that's what made the original, you know, shorts so special is that you can watch them a, a thousand times and still find joy in them. Um so I do hope this has that. Um I and which will be hard in today's society, you know? Like we're very we're very much on to the next one. Um so, you know, they have a they have a large task. And we're very nitpicky. Like people pull apart little the littlest of things and exploit it or uh, you know, find issue with it and and discuss it to no end and it overshadows the thing as a whole. So we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm looking forward to it though. Me too. And I can't wait to see more of these. And I feel like the team behind them is very talented and I I just I can't wait to see more. Yeah, same. All right, let's move on to Space Jam 2. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going Let's do it. So we have a new reveal of the logo, and it came on 
LeBron James's and Michael Malcolm Dealey's uh, social media pages uh, at King James and at Malcolm D respectively. And uh, LeBron had a hat that had the logo on it, and he just subtly looked up and and I was like, oh, that hat is so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we have a new logo, and um, it's kind of flipping Space Jam on the side a little bit because the jam is moved underneath the portal, and the aesthetic of it is really interesting because the, the P in space aligns with the J in jam, and then mm-hmm. the A is just one symbol, and it goes all the way to the top and all the way back down. It's just a singular A. Um, I really like that uh, design. And then you obviously have LeBron James and Bugs Bunny at the top of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that Bugs Bunny, you know, getting <laughs> top billing, um, which he did on the original movie as he well. Did. It was Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny, yeah. uh, which I think is, is I, I really, truly love that, you know, uh, because instead of the actor playing Bugs Bunny or, you know, you don't get too many like you know disney animated films are obviously very popular mickey mouse isn't necessarily a huge uh character property when it comes to uh the viewing audience uh or you know like movies and tv and film Uh, so it's really cool to acknowledge bugs bunny as as a star and not just a, a cartoon character. Right, and not um, just a character in his own world. He's transcendent of his own world into our yeah, world. Yeah, to, to the point where you see his name on a billboard and say, oh, Bugs Bunny in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I think that's dope. I think that's super dope. And uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I know we've had Bugs Bunny like where he's the sole star of a movie, where like on the poster it says Bugs Bunny in. Yeah. You know? Have we ever had that with Mickey Mouse? I feel like the short before Goofy movie had Mickey Mouse starring in, but that uh, might be the only one. I don't remember. I don't remember. And if it was, it was just a short, so it wasn't you right. know a top billing. No, I don't remember because you know the Disney name is so prominent. Right. Um. So even if you know it wasn't like Mickey Fantasia, Mickey Mouse, and a whole bunch of boring ass music like it, <laughs> it 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 was um you know it was disney's fantasia or disney's so-and-so or disney's so-and-so and you know disney when they were doing a lot of the animated shorts especially i'm thinking of the masterpiece series which is all i can think you know I, that's what i was alive for sure. um they generally didn't put anybody's name on on the it was just Disney's The Lion King or Disney's Aladdin or exactly. you know they like even Robin Williams' property... name wasn't on the poster or the billboard. Right, they let the property sell itself. Yeah. Um, but with Space Jam, we've always had the two top build uh, stars of it. So mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that they're continuing that trend. Yeah. And a new legacy, obviously, that's uh, reminiscent of what we're going to be seeing in the plot of this film, but also. It is a new legacy. It is going to be for a new generation of fans. And there is going to be that element of, I, gr- I grew up watching this movie. Now I'm going to be taking my kids to see it. Yeah. Like that element of it. Um, I do like they're not calling it Space Jam 2. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
I, I, you know, look, my feelings on this movie, because I'm sure, you know, the the last dance is going on right now. So Michael Jordan <laughs> is back in the zeitgeist. Yes. Uh, in a great way. In a great way. Yeah, extensively. And, um, and I'm sure I'll be having a lot of conversations about this, like even on my own podcast. So my feelings on this movie, when people are going to try to shit on Space Jam 1, which they will, because, <laughs> you know, for it not being a good movie, which nobody's saying is a masterpiece, but it's important to a lot of people for a reason. It had heart. Like, a lot of 80s movies are bad, but they have heart to them that makes you like them and want to watch them, and then nostalgia and everything, and, you know, the whole Michael Jordan ain't as good of an actor as LeBron James. Well, yeah, no shit. Uh, Michael Jordan was not an actor, and LeBron isn't either, but we have to realize that what that movie did in 1996 and what MJ did being in that movie, even as a bad actor, gave people LeBron James and, you know, it's like, oh, I can go act. So, like, they take it more seriously now than he did then. And, like, they're going to they're going to they're going to write a better movie. But in 2020, I can they are going they are trying to write it to make it a good movie. You know what I'm saying? Like in a way that Space Jam 1 was not trying. And I so I think when we, when we were going to compare the two is going to be a little unfair. And so that's why I'm happy that they're not calling it Space Jam 2, but instead having his own name, you know. I, I truly wouldn't be surprised if you just hear it called a new legacy uh, more often than not as they get closer to it coming out, you know? Sure. I, I think it might actually go the other way, just people recognizing the name Space Jam and calling it oh, that. But yeah, but yeah fans, a new I legacy so, will definitely sure. hold its own as soon as the, after the movie's release and whenever mm-hmm. people are differentiating the two. Um, and I think, I think a new legacy will stand out as a, a strong subtitle that, you know, I, I think it's really strong. I think yeah. it's, it's something that was a lot, like a lot of thought went into it. And you also have to realize like Ryan Coogler is behind this movie. He's working on the script and that's really exciting. And yeah. I, I just think that there's a lot of talent that doesn't want to do injustice to, you know, what came before because they have a reverence for it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I have high hopes for this. I, I think it'll be uh I think it'll be, be fun. Interesting. I think it's gonna be a fun movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it when you know, if we ever will. <laughs> At the very least it will be fun. At the very best it will get LeBron James an Academy Award. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um so real quick, I wanted to uh, do a, a quick divergent into the uh, Array Now, which was curated by Ava DuVernay on Twitter. This was a 10-hour Q&A that she curated with 60-plus directors and entertainers. And in that, Malcolm D. Lee was asked about Space Jam 2. And he was asked if um, if he could say anything about what to expect and his response was greatness, and that he's very excited, and that made me very excited. But mm. I feel like he has a appreciation for this, and he came on uh, a little late into the the production. But I feel like he hit the ground running, and he 
uh, he took this and hopefully he'll slam dunk it because I think it'll be uh, a really fun project for for someone of his caliber. Um, he worked on Girls Trip and Night School, and I think he has really good comedic sensibilities, and I think that can translate into comedic characters such as Bugs Bunny and the gang. And, and yeah. LeBron was great in Trainwreck, and I think that comedic sensibility can transfer over into acting against, uh, you know, a Looney Tune. Yeah, I, you know, I it, it's it's funny. I I'm just I'm just already not looking forward to the whole. Uh, you know, my king Space Jam was better than your king Space Jam. I'm just I'm already exhausted by it because <laughs> sure, <laughs> I know sure. that's what's gonna come out inevitable. Because uh, this movie has everything going for it it should be a good movie it has the fact that we know what it is already going for it it has the fact that it's a sequel it has the fact that it has a better writer a better director it has the fact that it's has better technology it has the fact that it has like uh, uh you know people who expect quality product now like nobody expected a quality product then so even when michael <laughs> Even with my, Malcolm D. Lee, which who I love, he's a great. I, I love him as a black director, uh, as a black filmmaker. I think he's great. But even him saying, "What can you expect? Greatness!" Like, uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like, just say what you can expect out of a movie. Like, I, you know, I don't need these hyperbolic, uh, like these sure. uh, over the top statements. Like. I, you know, what can you expect out of a movie? Greatness. Like, the movie ain't going to shoot a shot from half court and win the finals. Like, give me a break. Give me a break. I Just, like, let's go enjoy this movie, and it's going to be good. I do think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good, too. And, like, let's let's just leave it. Let's not, let, yeah. Ugh. Uh, this may be the this may be the Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bull and the you know the Chicago and me talking because I, I I like LeBron I'm looking forward to this movie I have nothing but love for it but the whole greatness I don't I I'm so annoyed at the prospect when this movie drops that people are gonna act like it was gonna be one of the best animated films of all time uh i already know people i already know lebron fans are gonna act like that even if it's not and, and i'm so i'm so annoyed already i'm so annoyed oh, no. i'm sorry i just went on the biggest <laughs> tangent well uh, speaking... listen like i said the last dance is out i'm in i'm in i'm in fight mode right now i apologize i get it, I get it. There's a lot of love from michael out there and I, i'm not you know wanting to take any of that away and, i love uh, i love lebron too i love lebron and i think love, this... well, yeah we can love both and i think in the future people are going to love both and appreciate both for oh yeah different reasons but yeah, let's absolutely let's look at what this movie already has going for it and what yes. we already know so LeBron was on a podcast called the Road Trippin' Podcast, mm -hmm. and he was Great. asked okay. uh, about the the process and where it is right now with everything going on with the quarantine and you know people not working. And he said a lot of it right now is animation. So being indoors is actually great for us. So we're still on, just like everything in the world. Everything has slowed down a little bit, but we're still on target, which means that they're going to hit that November release date in next uh, 2021. And obviously they're showing signs of that by releasing, you know, a new title mm -hmm. and uh, getting people pumped and talking about it. Uh, Cause that's the first stage of marketing. 
Yeah. Is it November 2020? I don't know why I thought it was summer 2021. Um, I'm pretty sure it's November 2021. Okay. Um, that's I mean, I guess Christmas time. But I feel like you would want to, you would want to play, use the momentum of summertime because it would be after the NBA season. That and, is an interesting thought. And LeBron will be able to actually do a true press junket, and and we'll be able to actually promote the movie because in November. Unless he retires, uh, the NBA season is in full swing, so he's not going to be able to do more than just like a red carpet, <laughs> or you know, a couple, a couple things here and there, so, and it'll have to compete with the NBA season ongoing. Thank you for making these points. This is actually why I need to look this up. It is going to be released July sixteenth, twenty twenty one. It that makes pushed, much more sense. It was pushed from a November release date for twenty twenty. When the director changed. Uh, yeah, um, got it, got it. So it is July of 2021. I'm still surprised that uh, it, it had a it had a original November 2020 date, but I have a feeling that regardless of the director change, that was going to change because it makes no sense to have this movie come out when LeBron can't promote it. It it does. Uh, ironically enough, the first Space Jam came out November 15th, 1996. That's very interesting. That's also <laughs> so interesting. So I, I mean, the world. The I world wonder was what Michael went through too. whenever he had to promote Space Jam and play in the NBA. I'm sure not much, but I think the one thing that's different is uh, in '96 as opposed to right now. Uh, movie, uh, the, the zeitgeist of a movie was a lot longer than it is now. Um, mm. like a movie would come out, like Titanic wouldn't make as much money in 2020 as it did when it came out, uh, because nobody, a movie doesn't stay in the theaters for nine months anymore, or, or you know, yeah, uh, or an things insanely long run. Yeah, so I do think that the run of Space Jam did help it from back then because they didn't have much else to compete with as opposed to right now. Uh, I just feel like right now with the summer blockbuster being so important that pushing it to summer, July, uh, summer 2021 is the move for sure. For sure. So moving on, we also had uh, Paul Shear in an interview with Cinema Blend uh, drop that Don Cheadle would be playing the villain in this movie. I love that. Is re- it's really cool. Uh, we don't know anything about his character other than he's in it. So I don't know if he's going to be voicing a villain or if he's going to be a live action villain, which we've never had before. Um, but that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything else to say about Don Cheadle? While we're, I mean, if he's going to be a villain, I would assume that he's going to be a uh, a villain in the animated world. <laughs> Right. Uh, I can't because they're not going to spend that much time in the real world. You know, I my my opinion is he's probably going to be the Danny DeVito, um, you know, oh, okay. character. You know, the the boss uh, right. or something in that. He's going to be the reason why there needs to be a game played uh, between the two teams. You know, 
So there's also uh, a thought that he could be like Doctor Doom uh, in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, mm. Christopher Lloyd's character that is live action and then turns into a tune to reveal his real self. Interesting. That's that would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I, I I'm excited about the prospect of him being in the movie. Uh, I think he has a great voice, and I think uh, he has great range. Yeah, he has really good range as and well. And he's very funny. Yeah. So Sorry, I, I just I'm heard like a vacuum. Uh, we also um, have Sinequa Martin Green, who has actress. been added to the cast. We don't know in what role, but. Uh, you can currently watch her as Commander Michael Burnham in Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. And it looks like she'll be like hanging out with the tunes in some capacity. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. That's going to be dope. I mean, listen, I'm sure they're going to get much, many more great actors to run these voices. Like in the original Space Jam, it was just Danny DeVito. I couldn't begin to tell you who were the voices of any of the monsters. <laughs> well, right. I think they were all voice actors at the time. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling, I, I mean, listen, as a voice actor myself, uh, I would love for them to use voice actors again. And <laughs> me too, you know, but <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to get nothing but names yeah. uh, in this movie, which Again, is another thing it'll have going for it. Well, speaking of names, we know that some of the villains are going to include Pennywise, Jim Carrey's The Mask, The Joker, and The Wicked Witch of the West. So how is that for names? Yeah, I hate that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't love that. I don't love that. I think it's trying to do too much. Um, I... What do we need Pennywise in the mask? Again, like, I'm sure I'm saying this now, and when it comes out, it's going to work. They're, like, I've grown up past the I don't see how that can work and not giving it a chance because I've been proven wrong so many times. Uh, sure, look at Lego for movie, instance, though. Lego, Lego exactly. movie works, and it has all kinds of IP intermingling. yeah. I think the thing I think the thing that uh, in my mind is different about that is you know nobody knew what Lego Movie was, mm. and Space Jam has a formula that I'm sure they're going to follow. Uh, now, how they break from that formula in ways, which I'm also sure they are trying to do and they should do, they should break from the formula in, in certain ways as they make their way back to what the movie should be about, which is a basketball game at the end, <laughs> at the end of it, right? Exactly. That's, what, that's where the movie is going, right? Uh, how we get there is whatever, but the movie is going to Toon Squad versus the Monstars. Uh, or well, maybe one they have way it's name. breaking from formula is that Michael Jordan is not going to be in this, even though he was <laughs> offered a $1 million uh, appearance fee, and he, the, he denied it. I Listen, I would have... I would have loved that because, you know, if there's one thing, did we do, when, when did we make our episode? When did we do our last episode? Do you uh, remember? February. February. Okay. So Kobe had already passed at that point. Uh, if there's one thing that I really appreciate is how Kobe tried his hardest to squash that 
like who's the greatest like especially with lebron and just say yo keep moving the game his last tweet to the world was keep moving the game forward uh which is so special and so great yeah really yeah it really makes basket i hope really makes basketball fans feel so stupid for not appreciating these great players and what they're out here entertaining us and doing on the basketball court so one thing that I would love is I would love for just like MJ and LeBron to like just come together for something, right? And, and, and like kind of squash this whole MJ LeBron. To, I mean, it's not going to ever be squashed, but to kind of silence and and themselves say, and it's more Michael than LeBron, but like themselves say guys, this doesn't matter. He's great. I was great. Or vice versa. Like, squash <laughs> is it. That, is that debate going on right now? It still is. Yeah, it still goes okay. on. Uh, so I would have loved for MJ to be in this movie as a, like, little pass the torch thing. Me too. Uh, I do see why he doesn't. You know, if his reasoning for not wanting to be in it is because, hey, this is his thing. I don't need no shine. Uh, I guess I appreciate that too. Uh, but... But there is a possibility that they're just saying he turned it down because what's, you're, you're glasses half full kind of guy, aren't you? I am. Cause listen, <laughs> if we never would have heard Michael was offered a little part in this movie, everybody is going into this movie saying, I wonder, is Michael going to show up? Right? right. Right. So by saying we offered it to him and he turned it down, that kind of rightfully so like kind of tempers that flame a little bit of people going in wondering and hoping he might make an appearance and just going in to appreciate the movie and then if he does make an appearance it's an even better surprise uh because you weren't expecting it so that's you true know, but that's a real long game uh, I'm looking for all the optimism it. I can. I'm looking for all <laughs> the optimism I can. I appreciate the optimism. I I enjoy it and I'm glad it's here. And if you look at uh, Looney Tunes back in action, Michael Jordan was in that, and he didn't even know he was in that. Warner Brothers reused footage from Space Jam in that, for that cameo. I didn't even know he was in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen Looney Tunes back in action, and I think when I did watch it, I started it, and I was like, I don't love this, and probably stopped. Uh because I should give that movie a chance again because I haven't I seen it should. since I was 18, probably. <laughs> yeah, it uh-huh. came out uh, in 2003, so we were all young. Yeah. But definitely give it a chance. It's, yeah, uh, I, should give it, I, should give it a, I should give it another chance. That would be a fun watch to watch when, you know, as we can't leave our houses. <laughs> exactly. I think it's on Netflix as well. Oh, dope. I might watch so, that. So there you go. Uh, that does it for everything that we know about Space Jam 2. Please put in the comments what you're excited about, and if it's any of one of these, uh, notes, or if it's something that you hope to see, let us know, and we can talk about it later. So, I'd like to dive right in into our spotlight episode of Rice and Hin, starring Foghorn Leghorn, right now. You don't know how lucky you are never to have had children. They're such a trial. 
<laughs> that always burns her up. Uh, what did you think of this throwback episode uh, to one of Miss Prissy's ploys in getting Foghorn Leghorn to be a suitor? Um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I grew up with these, I grew up with, with these cartoons mm-hmm. and these shorts. And I think everyone listening did. I, I'm sorry? I think everyone listening right now grew up with these shorts. Yeah. But for whatever reason, watching this one at, in this current time and this current state of my life, uh, was a little bit of a tough watch those first like for for pretty much the whole episode of <laughs> the whole short to be honest. Uh, Please because dive into that. It, what, it, what made it what made it so difficult? Uh, it was it was it was kind of mean spirited in a way that wasn't fun <laughs> to, <laughs> to watch. Like the whole she can't have any kids and then she goes up to commit suicide uh that's that's is and not in like a fun (laughs) (laughs) here's something funny that you know everywhere all watching different stuff my fiance was watching full house recently and classic one or the the reboot the classic one okay and uh uncle joey says something about anime uh, about animation that actually was pretty interesting and he said something to the effect of about violence in animation and he says something to effect of when the violence is out of the realm of believability then i think it's okay because if i drop an anvil on somebody's head a child isn't going to know isn't going to think that that's something i can do sure you know i agree with that uh, so, you know, like all the silly, funny, com- like suicidal things that a lot of these shorts have had throughout the years, I- I- I'm okay with, I'm not saying it's something that can't ever be shown, but like being bullied yeah. in a very real world way, uh, of, like a, a, a woman who's barren and people making fun of her for it. And she like goes to like pet a kid and like people take the kid from her and like stay away from her. And then she climbs a ladder to a roof to jump off. That's a little too real for me. <laughs> it's a lot to take in for sure. Yeah, it's and a little it's too not real. the first short that does that. Yeah. Uh, we've covered a couple of shorts that have really dark beginnings. Mm-hmm. Because the storytellers want you to sympathize for those characters and a shortcut for that because these are only six minutes, seven minutes long. A shortcut for that is taking a dramatic turn. Yeah. So that was that. That was that was yeah, that was a rough that. that was a rough intro into the episode. And then, you know, once Falkhorn saves her, and look, I'm a fan of Falkhorn Leghorn as a character. I think he's very underrated. I love him. He's very funny. Um, like there's still some funny stuff in this episode, like him harassing the dog <laughs> is a funny like through line of the episode. Uh, but when she saves when he saves her and you know she obviously falls in love and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just his, you know, <laughs> I'm a bachelor kind of guy. Like that's that I love all of that. That's still very funny. Uh, but just the 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 desperation right after this woman just tried to kill herself. Just it it was it, her character was very hard to watch. 
right now. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> like, yeah, her character was that. very hard to watch because there is no, there is no, there's no part of her specific uh, storyline throughout this entire episode that just made, that sparked any joy outside of being very sad for her. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was it was an interesting episode. I mean, listen, I'm not saying this up. It's terrible and like they should never I'm not saying anything I'm not being dramatic in that way I'm just saying like at this stage in my life that that was a very interesting uh feeling that I had watching that that I've probably never had before uh even watching that specific short because I've seen that many times in my life and yeah this time was a was an interesting feel for me yeah it's it's interesting how out of different contexts we take art and how something one day can be funny and then another day can be incredibly depressing or can be, um, you know, hard to watch. Yeah. So I, I completely get that this episode didn't subscribe to the uh, tidying up Marie Kondo way of life for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I completely agree that it's, it's um, a hard one for this time, uh, for for the uh, the current situation. I think that probably has a lot it, to do with it, too. It probably does. It probably yeah. added to it. I mainly just wanted to focus on the flamenco <laughs> dance. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. But, I apologize but if I'm, I'm glad that you brought up, <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up the harder aspects of some of these, because I, I go back to the Golden Collection Volume 3 where Whoopi Goldberg introduces these shorts and says that they're for the adult collector and there are yep. tough ideas presented for children and it's the way the art was made and these were looked at as films. Like they took eight to nine months to make. So mm-hmm. every single one of them is like such a wonderful piece of art, but it's also yeah, it's a, a love, time too. of, you know, a, a product of its time. So there are these problematic elements to it as we've discussed before. Yeah. And they... I'll say this though. I will say this, not to cut you off, but I will say this, that this specific episode, I probably wouldn't have a problem with the child watching it. Um, sure. Even, yeah. you know, because, because it's not malicious Mm -hmm. i just think me you know looking at it from uh who this feels a little too real like point of view Mm -hmm. uh made it a little uh, made it one that didn't spark as much joy as a looney tune cartoon normally does in me (laughs) uh but but i don't think the content of it is something that can't be viewed um even by you know somebody younger because they likely won't get the same things that i got as an adult watching this as well absolutely yeah absolutely there's the differentiation of experience that goes into yeah watching these but but yeah um i think showing this to a kid is perfectly fine yeah um i don't i don't think that they would see it as darkly as as you saw it yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Catch me when we can go outside and let me watch this again. And then I'll <laughs> so within this episode, Miss Prissy does a flamenco dance to woo Foghorn Leghorn, and it is that dance that inspired the latest character 
in the world of mayhem the mobile app game which you can download on all ios devices and pc and this character is wonderfully dressed uh very vibrant colors the blues the reds the clamshells and they're just going for it the character traits are wonderful as well within the world of mayhem you can find this character on the WB region uh, at the Coliseum. She is an epic support character. She has a friendship with all artists, and this tune has plus 10% attack, defense, and speed, while any artist is on the battlefield as an ally, and plus 15% attack against artist rivals. Ooh. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool thing. Her story design is as follows. Behind every matador, there is a dancer a dancer egging him on. Flamingo Prissy brings a tempo boost to artist, athlete, and or silence-based teams, healing whenever a team member dodges, and dropping massive team-wide crowd control on enemies. That's wow. pretty cool. Yeah. And... Cool. We're going to get a guest speaker in the form of Sabina Graves <laughs> to read some of these skill sets. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> like, why do I need to come over here? I, I see. The skill set names include... Uh, Canción de Vida, which is a basic attack. Ritmo de la Arena, which is a passive attack. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Vámonos, which is a passive attack. Falseta picante, which is activated. Sangre caliente, which is sangre caliente. <laughs> <laughs> Inspiring presence, which is an archetype passive. Yeah, and she's also a healer, so if you have her on your team, she will heal your team up to 75%. So Ooh. that is a really strong character to have on your team. Thank you very much for reading those. Latin okay. terms. Are they Latin? They're just in Spanish. They're just in Spanish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I know flamenco comes from Latin. It's a Latin dance. And well, it Spanish. Spain. It's, yeah, it's Spanish. Yeah. Really cool that these details get put into these character designs. And it's one of the things I love about the game is that the artists and the designers come up with these really wonderful backgrounds for just these throwaway characters that you might think is, oh, that, that's a cool design for a character. Or like, that showed up in two seconds of an animated short. I wonder why they chose that design, and here you go. Like, there's a whole backstory, and then they have a list of skill sets that follow within that theme. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a it's a really fun way to expand the game for new players, for old players, and all in between. That's so great. there we go. Download the app at all of the mobile app gaming devices you own and enjoy that. And now it's time for a word from our sponsors, Acme. Acme, it's where you buy your anvils. Due to changes in recent laws, Acme is now the proud manufacturer of musical instruments. Acme would like to present the patented Acme Maracas, sure to spice up your fiesta with a bang. Each pair of Acme Maracas comes with Acme's own special proprietary blend of gunpowder pebbles that make our Acme Maracas the most explosive sound around. Acme. For legal reasons, Acme Dynamite is now classified as a percussion instrument. Yeah.
<laughs> All right, Jaquise, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you on social media? And please drop your podcast name so people can move on over there to listen to you talk about all kinds of pop culture stuff. Uh, for sure, for sure. You can find me everywhere at Jackie's Neil. Um, you know, that's where you can find everything I'm doing on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, Culture Kings podcast. You know, check it out every week if you so please. And um, you know, I don't I don't plug too much new things that I do just because I have so much content that I have. But uh, you know, I'm a fan of MTV The Challenge. And uh, they're in the midst of their new season 35, Total Madness. So I have a limited series podcast out uh, recapping uh, that show as it is going on. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a show that's going to be around all the time, but it's going on right now. And uh, for all my challenge stands out there, if you, if you want to listen to that, then uh, that gives you a little something extra to do during the quarantine. That's exciting. Keeping up to date on everything going on. You can find us at this means podcast on Facebook and at that at uh, this means pod on Twitter. Obviously we have our blog podbean.com backslash this means podcast, and you can comment and share all of our posts there. We look forward to hearing from you. Please like and share this podcast with your friends and fellow Looney Tunes fans. Jaquise, thank you so much for being on the show. We look forward to having you on again. Yes, thank you so much. More stuff to talk about. And uh, we hope everyone has a great night. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I also can't believe I didn't actually say the name of the Challenge podcast. It's called The Deliberation. So. Go find that. The deliberation. <laughs> the deliberation. So you heard it here. Go search yes. for the Deliberation podcast. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate you. And as always, that's not all, folks. Toilet bowl. Little dynamite. Oh, they grow up so fast. <laughs>